There we go. All right. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Conversations with Tita and Tiffany and our special guest, Ryan Stevens, today, a friend, not foe, a friend of Tita Walker's where they met through a group that they're on with Leslie, who's been on our show uh, quite a few times. And we're going to talk about what uh, Ryan's journey has been like from um, a fellow white privileged person um, to white ally. We haven't, we've only had one other, no. Yeah, no, one other white. Guy. We've guy. Had, Ryan's are third guy because we had Jeff Sloan and then oh and then we had Matt right we had Matt Sol Solomon as well so lucky number three Ryan lucky number three and Ryan's Canadian he's a fellow Commonwealther we were just talking about that before um while Tita does her techie tech stuff yes <laughs> how did you <laughs> Well, first of all, how did you find the group that Leslie does? She does it, do, do you do it every week or? Originally it was every week for quite a while. Then we switched over to twice a month. Okay. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been just over a year since it started. Oh, wow. It's been that long. Yeah. And was Very it? soon after George Floyd. Right, right. Yeah. Tita told me a little bit. So it was kind of the George Floyd tipping point for you as well. So did you know Leslie before? Yes, I, I grew up in, in Mississauga, Canada. His name is Leslie. We went to high school together. So I've been Facebook yeah. friends for a few years. And yeah. Oh, that's great. And then, and so then you two met, what's it called again? The group that you're on? I love the no name of it. No More Ignorance? Yes, correct. Okay. And, and how many of you are in the group? It varies. I mean, yeah. it, it started off over 30. We're active at the beginning. Now we get about a, on average, we have a dozen roughly, a little less lately. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's pretty good still after a year, I think. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Tita, you started before, so we started to talk and then we're like, let's just press, press yeah. record because Tita started to talk about um, Ryan when he first came on and the Ryan that he is now. So do you want to share your insights with us on what you've seen? Yes, before and after Ryan. <laughs> so, um, you know, Ryan, I, I adore Ryan. Ryan and I have been able to um, build a really good friendship. You know, um, I feel like I know his family, but I know his family virtually. I know his wife virtually. I know his mom and dad virtually. And stepmom and dad virtually and so forth. So um, it's been, it's been a good um, experience actually getting to know Ryan. So the before Ryan, like when we had about 30 or so people on the no more ignorant, ignorance group. And as you know, Leslie, you all probably heard Leslie be on her show before she started this group after George Floyd. And um, so, it, and it's a diverse, I mean, of uh, background, religion, ethnicity, gender, all of that, economical status, all of that. And so it was a very diverse, it's a very diverse group. And I would say the before Ryan, I mean, I remember seeing Ryan on there. And the only reason why I knew of Ryan was because um, Leslie, when we all went around and introduced ourselves, um, I remember her saying that, she, you know, she went to school with Ryan. But then that was it, you know, Ryan was 
not very vocal, but he always showed up. He always came. Like we said, we did it weekly for a while, I think, before we went to bi-weekly. He always showed up. And that's why you can't assume when somebody's in the room too, when they're not maybe being as verbal or vocal, mm. like some of us who are more verbal. <laughs> mm. um, but he was soaking it all in. And I don't think any of us really realized that, that he was soaking it all in. He was just listening. He was, um, I think, being very receptive to what's going on. Obviously, I won't speak for him because we'll let him tell his journey and story. But obviously, I knew he was on because the George Floyd shook him. Otherwise, why would you, you know, be on? And moving forward, the after Ryan, like, shock me because like there was things like he taught he read certain books he read I think different articles um um and even like different platforms he started following and just our conversations just drastically shifted to where I can see like he knew he didn't understand everything of a black experience especially in America I mean I know there's racism all over but we talked more about America's um, black experience. He knew he couldn't like walk in the shoes, but his eyes really opened differently. And he had a different perspective of understanding his privilege as a white man in the world. And also for him understanding like how the systems have really been built to keep brown and black people oppressed. And that really surprised me because when we had these conversations, there was so much more that Ryan was able to articulate to me about um, racism and oppression and even became more vocal in the conversation, even amongst other white people who might still be a little challenged to understand some things and get things where he was even able to convey to them that no, of course, you're not trying to be racist. And of course, you're not trying to be oppressive. But you are privileged. And your behaviors that you've been doing for the last years and decades is being complicit into racism. So you're going to have to really be more conscious of changing behaviors. And this is Ryan having these conversations, bringing this up to in the group when some of the whites in the group might still not quite get certain things. And that is an ally and that's what we need because we get tired, right? And so that's why I was like, I really wanna bring Ryan on because I saw the journey with him and I think he's a great example of you don't have to be shameful, you don't, it's not saying you're not valuable or you're not worthy as a white person, but why would you not want equality amongst each other? So that means that you have to change your behavior and change change the way you show up, then why not? So that's why I wanted Ryan here. So that sounds like a good journey right there. Ryan, <laughs> like what, what do you feel like, so hearing what Tita was saying, Firstly, like, do you, do you feel like that's true for you or do you feel like you're still far behind or you're really proud of the progress that you've made? Like, how would you, like, share your journey? Yeah, no, I, I think Tita's pretty spot on. Um, I talked before in our groups before about 
how when I was younger, as a teenage boy, I thought of myself as this young, um, I loved a young, almost militant little, little white guy growing up in the suburbs in Canada. Um, I, I loved my, my rap music from the dawn of rap music. And I love, you know, uh, Spike Lee movies and basketball. So I, so I, cause I got really fired up even as a teenager, then realized through these conversations, um, how much I had to grow and how I was, but I thought I was this um, very active and outspoken and uh, anti-racism person. And meanwhile, I, I get older and realize, yeah, I was still a bit of a crap. You know, I didn't quite, I didn't, of course I understand it. Like Tita said, how could I? I can, I can understand on paper, I can understand the overall idea, but I haven't walked any, any miles in any shoes. Especially right. again, especially being in Canada and being white, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's been an amazing journey. The people I've met, uh, yeah, not that it's their duty and they shouldn't have to teach me, a white man, on how to act with black people. That's not up to them to teach me. It's up for me to learn how to help and how to make things better without them holding my hand and guiding me through, you know, the, the injustices and the oppression. But uh, no, I pretty spot on. I'd say it's, it's you know, and Tita's helped me a lot. She's been a real guru through it all. Yeah. Again, like off of our sessions, talking one on one, messaging back and forth. Yeah. She's so great like that. She really is. I feel like, it, you know, everyone should have a tea tar in their, in their, <laughs> in their in back their, pocket. In their, yeah. It's, it's a pretty special thing to have. She's got a lot of tolerance and a lot of, a lot of patience sometimes. And then she has a tea tar moment and that's, that's fine oh, too. Good. good. Not to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. He's experienced yeah. my frustration sometimes of, moments. So Ryan, there is, um, when we start the group, I know sometimes like, I think different books were brought up and or different documentaries. And I think there was a, I can't remember which book you wrote. I mean, yeah, you wrote a book already too. Uh, <laughs> which book you read, but I feel like there was a couple of books you read that helped you also um, comprehend more systematic racism. Am I, am I yep. right? Yeah, no, again, and directly as a result of joining that group. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have taken the time to. Uh, I got on Audible, I got Obama's book, read Obama's book, well, listen to Obama's book, which is amazing, by the way, because especially with him narrating it, I mean, mm -hmm. the dictionary, that's good enough for me just to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, that was really eye-opening. And from that, I decided to then listen to White Fragility, which really helped a lot. That was a fantastic book. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really catered more towards the quote unquote liberal thinking white people. Yeah. It's definitely not for every white person to read because their defense mechanisms will just go right up and yeah. it just, nope, that's not me. Deny, deny, deny. Uh, and yeah, it, it made me think a lot. It even current day stuff that I thought I was getting better at. Um, and yeah, no, she's right. I mean, Tita's exactly right. Uh, if it wasn't for this group, I wonder these books and that definitely helped a ton. So what would you say some like real pivotal moments or aha moments for you from reading the book or having the conversations or being in the group where you're like, oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah, well, it's a couple things. I mean, first off, hearing the, the conversations about the racial profiling of officers pulling over um, Black people, we've always heard these stories, but actually listening to a person tell their own story, a person that you now know. Mm. It's different hearing some account, account on a, a news program versus someone you know and you trust and it's closer to home because you know this person, you care about this person and to hear what they've gone through. Like Leslie describing when she bought a new car, she had to take into consideration 
how nice the car it was. Yeah. Because Leslie often has short hair. And when she's driving along with her short hair, people could mistaken her as a young black man driving a fancy car. And why is that young black man in a Mercedes in America? And her being, her having to think about these, like I would never think that that's a, that a, that a woman in her mid forties would think about these things, you know? But uh, yeah, like that, that was one, and there's so many, right? There's so many stories that people have told us. Um, we had one woman come on who was biracial um, and she grew up, I forget, she grew up primarily, I think with her um, white family, with closer to the white family. And her so. black family was uh, black side of her family was in Chicago, and she felt the racism from both sides of her family. When she was with her like white grandparents, they acted very differently towards her to the point of they actually used to squish her nose to make it less wide and look more white. I know, and she didn't think anything of it as a child. And she's telling us the story years later. I was like, oh my god, like that's her grandmother. You know, it's not some random person. And then she goes back to Chicago, and her hair isn't quite as uh, thick as 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 they would like, and they treated her differently because she wasn't black enough. So she was experiencing all sorts of different. Now I say racism for the white side. It's not racism from black because they weren't in a position of power. But the prejudice that she was receiving even there was even they didn't want to accommodate her either. So she's just living this life kind of in limbo. And it's amazing the story of how she's succeeded. She that's when she gets her show. <laughs> I forget her name. I can't remember her name. But anyway. yeah. yeah. One thing Ryan just said that I absolutely appreciate because I know there's, I've had to kind of check. I mean, I wouldn't say check because it wasn't check, but I had to um, bring the definition to someone else about racism. Like you said, like the black family wasn't racist, but they were oppressive, right? Because a lot of folks, I know it's the, it's the dictionary, uh, more of the, probably the dictionary definition, but we have a lot of dictionary definitions that we follow. But where racism does derive from is a race that is, is more dominant, but that they're using that dominance to oppress another yeah. race. So I appreciate that you said that because I know there's sometimes when whites, might be treated a certain way from a person of color, maybe, you know, not in favorable ways. They will say, well, they're race, they were being racist towards me. Well, no, because you still live in the dominant race that is very oppressive to other black and brown people. And you know, I always say, Tiffany, look at Capitol Hill. Once Capitol Hill really changes and shifts where it mirrors and mimics America, then we can probably say we're not quite as racist, but, um, I appreciate that you said that because I think sometimes white people get confused. Like if they experience a black person or a brown person who treated them bad, they'll say, well, I was being racist towards, no, you're just being, you're, they're treating you just bad. <laughs> they're, they're being mean to you. Maybe they're discriminating against you, but they weren't being racist towards you. So I appreciate you making that distinction. Which again, something I learned this year. <laughs> That's something I have learned the difference between the two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is it? So it sounds like, you know, hearing stories from people that you're building a relationship with are the ones that really affected you. And I can totally relate to that. Like when I hear, you know, story after story from Tita or from my boyfriend who's black and, and now um, seeing it, right? Like I'm more seeing it because I'm in a relationship with someone. Like it happened on the weekend and I was like, oh, it's 
real. Like, even though I know it's real and I keep having these conversations, I mean, we have a whole show around it as a white person. I don't know if this is your experience and, and maybe it's, um, ignorance, no more ignorance, um, or denial or whatever is like, there's still an element of surprise and shock for me. And Tita and I talk about this all the time where she's like, I'm not surprised. You know, we have Pamela on every month as well. And she's like, I'm not surprised. And I'm still like, really, really? Like there was a moment on the weekend we were camping and there was a white family behind us and they had the American flag up. And the sad thing about that is sometimes it can be a red flag now, right? Like, oh, uh, they had the the kind of the, the country redneck Texas strong accent um, we didn't, we couldn't see up close, but the grandfather, it was a, it was, it was three generations. It was two kids, the grandfather and the father and, um, the grandfather from afar had a red hat on and we're like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Right. And so, um, my boyfriend, as he does, likes to stir the pot a little bit and went up and started ta- asking the, the father some questions <laughs> And so I just observed from afar. I was like, what is he doing? And so he goes up and starts asking him some questions about his kayak and blah, blah, blah. And even me with my kind of glass full, like I like to look at everyone as like, you know, see the best in, in everyone when I can, except for when I'm in a bad mood or, you know, they're driving badly. But I was like, wow, this guy cannot get away from him quick enough. Like he just kept trying to cut the conversation short. And I was, you can feel the the energy, right? It felt uncomfortable. And of course, my boyfriend kept asking more questions to keep him in the conversation. And I was like, wow, that was really interesting. And um, we didn't even talk about it. We talked about it a little bit later. And I was like, I still, uh, if I hadn't have seen it, and being more aware of it, I probably would have given that person more of the benefit of the doubt, right? The The good thing was, you know, the weekend we, we saw them more and then the grandfather started chatting to my boyfriend and he was fine and was really engaging and his hat actually wasn't Make America Great Again. It said something best grandpa or something. And the kids were chatting because of our dogs and all those sorts of things. So it's, it, but you, you could see there was a tension there. And so me having these kind of insights now is really where I get to live the experience and make the change and bring the awareness to my consciousness more. Have you had any examples of that, of like your unconscious bias or seeing something and not believing it or hearing something? I mean, in the beginning, not quite believing it. Cause I know in the very beginning when I was on, I was on this journey, I'd, I'd always be like, yeah, but you know, and I know that's a real challenge for a lot of um, people of color. Cause they're like, no, you're not listening to me. It's not the same as what you experience. So just wondering if you've had any insights or experiences like that for you. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, Again, growing up, I thought I knew, but I, thought I, I don't know what I thought I knew. Not the extent. Right. And talking to everybody on the, in these group chats definitely, again, has helped. But yeah, no, I mean, for my for myself, when I, again, it's a lot of unthinking things you've been taught and learned yeah. consciously from a very young age. Uh, like even just the, the difference you've seen in TV commercials, 
uh, even which is a very easy way of saying the difference is now switch more multiculturalism people with disabilities and homosexuality and all these different people now on tv not just a bunch of people look exactly like me yeah it is refreshing and it's sad that a few years ago saying how refreshing that is but you're right no there are those biases i mean certainly when i was young especially when i was younger i think if I, i'd be more comfortable if i was walking if i saw a black man coming toward me or a group of black men there's something about and it's it's deeply rooted it's true I, there's something about yeah. a black man that scares white people and it's deeply rooted it's there and it's horrible trying to overcome that because such a stupid um an unfounded thought that's been planted in our heads. And it really has been seriously planted in there. I mean, I remember my father and I, I lived in Fort Lauderdale, I moved to Florida, I lived there after my wife and I got married. And we were down and at the beach on Fort Lauderdale, they have all these great basketball courses out there. So there's a bunch of guys playing basketball. And I love basketball. And I loved watching these guys play basketball. Uh, there's some great competition now. And again, there's a high percentage of black basketball players, men and women, but mostly men. And at one point we were walking near there and a big group of them were kind of leaving the, leaving the court and walking down the sidewalk. And my dad suggested perhaps we should go the other side of the street. And my dad, who's again, he like, I've been brought up a very liberal family for my father. My father, to me, doesn't seem as a racist man at all. But these are one of the things that's deeply embedded in his head too, of the, just to be safe. Yeah. Over here, just to avoid the large group of, of younger black men. Um, my dad actually got an argument about it. Lasted much, much of the day. Um, my dad's just doing it. Look, I'm not trying to say this. I'm just saying, just don't be stupid. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything or do anything stupid. I'm just going to walk down the street. So it was something so small as that. And again, this one was about, I was quite younger. I was about 22 this happened. Um, and that was an early example, for, again, from a person that I've always deemed as in no way racist, which is, again, led me on the path. I said many times in our conversation that ironically, racism isn't a black and white thing. It's a very gray area. There's a very broad spectrum of racism. All racists don't wear white cones and wear white capes right. or, or MAGA hats. Um, there's, again, it's the systemic keeping down of other people. They, the people that don't speak up when a racist joke is told. And that's been me. Yeah. Last year, that was me. I haven't had this many opportunities since COVID and stuck at home. But in the workplace, that was me. I'd have a, a, a guy come in and be doing a racial joke. And I'd do that awkward kind of, eh, don't laugh, just kind of a weird grin and try to get the heck out of there. But I don't tell him, that's not funny. Right. Why would you say that to me? Why would you think that I would want to hear that? And um, and that's something that I've been trying to learn to grow with. I'm not, again, I haven't had the opportunity to do much of that lately. But uh, And there are going to be some interesting times ahead for me uh, yeah. with family members and with people in the business area that there are going to be more conversations had. I just got to figure the way to do it without getting too heated and attacky. Yeah, that, that's been my challenge for sure is like I get – judgy and heated and attacky and that that and then people can't hear you right because you're coming at them it's it's a dance for sure um you know when I went back to Australia I got into a heated argument and there was a breakthrough it was a family member so I you know we got there eventually but it I was just I was like oh it was like a small insight into what black people have to deal with every day or just choose not to right um it's it's exhausting tita you were going to say something what are we going to oh, say i was going to say though as ryan was talking about some of his earlier experiences um with you know if you're seeing a group of um white i mean black men going down i mean we as we know there's a group of white men who are mobs and can kill and hurt right. well. 
Yeah. But, but again, because of what's ingrained is to, sh- is to show that, you know, that blacks are criminals and blacks are bad because that's just what the media has portrayed a lot. Right? Movies, all, all of it, TV shows. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I would say too, getting to know Ryan, you know, as he's talking about his an early example with this, his um, dad, but he's also been having these conversations. I know because he's been having these conversations with his family, and he's been having when he comes on the No More Ignorance. Um, I know he shares with his family, you know, and and I mean like his his parents as well. So I know that they're also learning from him now, and they're receptive right. to that and see, and that's great because yeah. they're seeing how their son is being more enlightened on the situation and has more understanding and even, cause you know, they're older. So I'm not gonna, I mean, I'm not gonna say older people don't go, won't go and research and do things. But usually when you're kind of older and especially retired, you're like, I ain't trying to look up nothing, right? <laughs> so I think it's just great too, that he doesn't stop just for his knowledge. Right. And, and, and to become educated, but he's all, and that's what, you know, we talk about not, we talk about, anti-racist right because there's a difference there's okay i'm white and i i i don't have anything against any other race but then there's also i'm white i don't have anything against any other race but i'm also anti-racist meaning like i will go ahead and tell my other people how they are playing into the privilege I will share with my family how they're playing into pr- their privilege, how they're complicit in their privilege and how their behaviors and stuff are racist. So there's that difference. And that's when that person becomes a real ally. And so that's what I've seen with Ryan is, like he said, he hasn't been out maybe in public and witnessed something and be able to be like, mm, you know what? That's not cool because of X, Y, and Z, but he is sharing things with his family and he is, um, you know, able to educate his family. So that's also being anti-racist. And I think that's like, it starts with us first, right? Like doing our work and educating and having conversations and being in forums and groups and things like that. Um, The real test is out in the world, like the day to day work. So hearing a family member say something, hearing a friend say something and bring it to their attention. Our last show was, uh, was a lived example um, where I failed as an ally and I had to like, you know, I had the opportunity to correct myself luckily, but it was a real reality check for me of like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not as actually um, as far down the road than as I thought I was, as being an anti-racist. And so that step into, like Tita was saying, can be a really big leap, but can it, it can be the smallest jump that allows you to make the next step and the next step and the next step. And it's really this, I just find for me, it's like this constant um, questioning and reevaluation and rethinking, oh, I just had this thought, huh, I just had that thought. Oh shoot. I just thought that, right? Like you you've got to constantly be on your own radar all the time of the things that you're saying and doing and looking deeper into how it really um shows up in just every every 
everyday life. So has yeah. there, yeah, go, go on. I have a question, really quick question for you, Brian, because actually, I don't even know. So actually, I am curious. What made you decide to come on No More Ignorance to be part of even the conversation in the first place? Yeah. yeah it, so what happened is I on Facebook, I made a post back right after George Floyd um, talking about the, I don't know how to put this, I was on the fence about, about police brutality versus uh, obviously Black Lives Matter movement, not on the fence, but I mean, I felt torn, especially I felt torn because my, my brother, my two brother-in-laws are both officers in the States, one in Los Angeles, one in South Carolina. And my, basically my, my wife, my best friend, our couple best friend, the husband is a cop here in, in the Halton region in, in near Toronto. So I was always very anti-cop. For years and years, I was very anti-cop. And my brother-in-law became a cop and I still kind of have those feelings until my other brother-in-law and my good friend were officers. And I started to get to know the good friend I got to know a lot better and, and his wife. And she's told me a lot of, a lot of things I had thought poorly. But again, this is, Canada police versus U.S. Very yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very different from different yeah. level. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I put this post on there talking about my 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 divide and how torn I've been because I didn't like what the police were doing. Obviously, however, I also hate the bad name for all of them, but I knew three of them were good people. But again, that's three mm -hmm. out of hundreds and hundreds of thousands. But uh, so I made this post. It was quite a long post, and Leslie actually reached reached out to me and said, I "Loved your post. I'm doing this." no ignorance would you like to join mm. and meet and just join a bunch of people will be on and I was actually kind of torn at first I was quite afraid I, I, again my, my white fragility I was mm -hmm. afraid to go on there and discuss race I'm yeah. thinking, well, what do I know about race I'm a white guy I'm a middle-aged white guy in Canada what the hell do I know about, about the plight of the black man and woman I don't know these things so actually, I actually talked to my family quite a bit my father a lot and my dad and my stepmother are pushing me and my mom were all pushing me you should go you should do it I think it'd be great for you what do you have to lose you know, they should definitely do it. It might be uncomfortable and it might feel a bit odd and weird to you, but you should definitely do it. So I did it. And um, yeah, and and they teach us, I was very quiet in the beginning, didn't talk much. Now again, big crowds, dominant voices. And again, when unfortunately when black men and women are talking about race, I shut up and listen. I'm not going to chime in as much back then. Big groups, let them go. And um, yeah, so, that, so that's how it started. And uh, I felt an obligation. And also I was very looking forward to every, every chat, more so than Tita at times, I think. <laughs> are you coming on or what yeah. you would. the times i wouldn't come on you send me a little text and say are you coming on uh -huh. but you know that's the thing that like he was saying in the beginning uh, i'm glad he came on because now like our conversations i feel like they're not not that they were surface but you know what I mean, right? Like a lot of the blacks were vocal about certain things, right? But yeah. then as I feel like as we evolved and as some of the, like Ryan evolved to and did his own work, again, like in the beginning when I was saying when there's times when maybe some of the whites on there might have not quite got certain things, it was really nice to actually have an ally be able to step in and have that conversation mm. from, from a white race to another white race and explain mm. why this is the case instead of us just um, stepping in and, and sharing why this isn't the case. So I so that's how I seen Ryan from just 
like I said, you can't assume because he was obviously being very receptive. He was taking a lot in. He was doing a lot of things behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of. And then when he was able to do his, his work and understand his privileges and how he was complicit, it's so nice to see him then be verbal about it, to be an anti-racist, to be yeah. an ally. So um, Ryan is really a good, I don't want to say poster boy, poster man, but you know what I mean? He's a good example, <laughs> a good example of a white person who shut it up, shut it up, shut it up in the beginning, even if he felt, you know, whatever he felt, he didn't, he didn't vocalize that because he needed to really take it all in. Yeah. I'm sure you felt some ways too, Ryan. Did you? I don't want to speak for you, but in the beginning, did you notice that some of your defensive mechanism and things kind of not as much? It's, it's just literally uh, more of just one a bit of nerves, definitely, and two, just letting everyone else talk. Let, I, mean, I want to feel it out and see what everyone's saying. No, I didn't have that. I did really didn't have that. That, that I mean, don't be me wrong. Like like uh, like Tiffany said, I, I had every once in a while we all have these thoughts creep into your head, something stupid. You're like, wait, what? No. Like, don't think that. That's that's not right. And they do still creep in there. It's it's challenging yourself and making sure that you check yourself, even if it's mentally. Check yourself. What yeah. you're saying. No, yeah. you're right. But there's so many different points of views, even amongst our group. And there are a lot of differing points of views. And again, because again, one black experience is different than other black experience. You know, and it was great hearing these different, like, um, Jenna Reese on our on our chat talked about having to assimilate. How her, how her, she was brought up by her mother basically to try to act and be more white uh, just to be able to assimilate to white America and then as she got older realized no I'm not doing that <laughs> like that's that's done I'm not doing that but that was a way of survival and hearing that story again I was like what like again did, and then you start to realize when you start watching media and you see different black people talk on media and they some of them sound a lot different than others do and a lot of it's assimilation yes yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's yeah, again, right? Like, it's a lot of that once you start really looking and yeah. really listening and really thinking, things start to change. Yeah. You want them to change faster and, uh, and, and more broad, you know? Yeah, that's, that's so true. I'd, I'd be interested in, you know, hearing about like, um, you know, when I came to this country and really started to understand the, police brutality here and the extreme racism towards black people um I was just I was in denial I just couldn't believe that that could be possible in a place like America right um Tita and I've talked about this before I have a different there's a because I'm Australian and I don't know if this is the same for you um black Americans to me were Americans so it didn't matter whether you're black or white you're american to me so i didn't have the like deep seated historical um biases that white americans have right towards black americans it's just not there for me um but i do in my own country so very racist parents so i was brought up racist towards um asian people that's a big thing in Australia. Anything that anyone that's not white in Australia. Um, I remember when I was first traveling, people would say to me, oh, Australians are really racist, right? And I'd be like, 
huh, actually, that's really true. I never thought about that before, but it's true. And for me, what I, through this, you know, evolution of living in America and seeing the systemic racism here, I started to investigate into my own country. And although we don't have police brutality um, so much, although I'm sure it's there, what we have in Australia with our Indigenous um, Aboriginal people, the Black people of Australia, um, is high incarceration rates and really high death in in our prison systems. Our, I can't remember the numbers, but it's like our, because um, we killed a lot of them, we wiped a lot of our um, Indigenous Aboriginal Australians out, um, the percentage of, say, it's like 2% of Australians are uh, Aboriginal, then like 1% of them are in jail or have an alcohol addiction or something like that. And then another 0.5% of them die in jail. So we, we have our own set of issues because of systemic racism as well. What's it like in Canada for the Black for the black culture? Black? I feel it's more broad in Canada. It's a more level playing field of hatred and racism in Canada. Um, blacks definitely feel it, but I mean, our Indigenous, there's a real hot spot in Canada lately. Yeah. The yeah, school, the, the schools. Yeah. Where they've now found three different schools with a total of over three hundred children have been murdered and buried there by yeah. the Catholic Church. I heard about that. What? Where about yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Residential schools that the Catholic Church suggested. Our Canadian government said, "Sure, go ahead, reform, reform all these Indigenous and make them more white. Take away their names, take away their language, assign them numbers, not names, while they're there." And. Uh, the way Canadians, are, it's mass genocide, what Canada has done to the indigenous. I mean, serious mass genocide. Yeah. It's a real problem. Our, our current leader, our prime minister, Trudeau, his father was in power during this, this period of this happened in Canada. Whoa. So he's under a lot of scrutiny. Um, anyway, mm. Asian yeah. hate, a lot of Asian hate in Canada, tons of it. Like, that's oh, what I grew up in Australia. As a teenager, that's the most I, I heard. And, and it's something I would do myself as, as a teenager would, would be mocking Asian languages. Yep. Just mocking the language, a lot of kids doing the slanted eyes. So it was really, like yeah. I said, it was a real even playing field, I feel like in Canada. Yeah. It's the real, everybody's not white is second tier. And I said it to Tita before talking about how the white race in general loves sitting on the podium, watching all the other races battle it out for second place. And they just sit there yeah. and go, Oh, have at it, guys. Um, but yeah, like Leslie even said when she was on the talk of this before, when she moved from Canada, she hadn't she felt that she hadn't experienced a lot of racism growing up there. It wasn't until she went to Chicago to school. So when she started really and so she said it hit like almost a wave, like bam, wow, racism. Like she I couldn't believe when she said it. And again, we were a very white school we went to, very white in suburban neighborhood, upper middle class white school, um, handful of black, black students, a uh, couple dozen Asian. So you're talking maybe about maybe five to eight percent on white schools, very white, very waspy. But that was more built on economic class there because there's so many rich kids. That seemed, I think Leslie escaped it because she was smart, she was pretty, and she was athletic. <laughs> I think, and so was her twin brother. He was the same. He was more handsome than pretty, but anyway. <laughs> Andre's still pretty. He's watching. <laughs> oh, Leslie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I think 
you're right. Racism across the board with with white people is 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 generally the. What did she say? She said, <laughs> "Yep, our nine oh two one oh high school was nothing like going to Southern Illinois." And then she said, "She said thanks, Ryan." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the, the work that I've been doing here in this country around, you know, we, we mainly talk about black and black and white, but it really made me investigate more actually into my own racism around other, other eth- ethnicities, because in Australia, it's like, if you're Italian, you're, you're a wog. If you're, you know, Asian, you're a chink. If you're whatever it is, there's a name for something and it's, it's normally derogatory and, um, yeah, it's, there's, there's just so much unraveling. So it's not just like towards black people, but wherever it is, like, you know, looking at it, like we were saying, and then really investigating like, oh, that's a dark side that I want to rectify. And I really want to understand. And, um, it's, it's rife, unfortunately. And, and I would say that, um, unless you had very, 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 very liberal, parents it's going to be in every white person you ever know so and that's why I was lucky and that's why I was lucky is my parents are both so liberal that I had the upbringing that made it a lot easier for me to again go down the path at least um they've been so supportive about it and again like I'd never heard racial slurs out of I'd never heard racial slurs out of them Uh, I didn't hear that growing up that's that's I did Wow. And that's mind blowing when I think about it. It is, yeah. To me, that's normal. That's such a, oh, wait, not everyone doesn't have racist parents, at least overtly racist parents. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say, just because things are, people are liberal now, let's not get it twisted because I grew up in a very liberal state. Yeah. Very liberal city, supposedly, right? But Seattle is very racist. Now, this is what I find that more, well, at least in Seattle, liberal city, um, the racism was stab you in the back. Was It was behind, behind. Mm-hmm. I prefer, so I prefer the more non-liberal states or people where I know where we stand in, my, in front, right then and there. Like there's certain things we, they don't like me, you don't like me because I'm black. Well, I don't like you because you're racist. But okay, we have something maybe we're working on together and we'll go ahead and do this knowing where we stand. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm breaking up here, but- um, No, you're fine. Okay, but um, yeah. So I just say that because I think a lot of folks just automatically assume that liberal is for everybody. They are for anybody and it's not the case. So- Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I kind of like the South in a way. Because I feel like people are more authentic in their beliefs and values, whereas liberal people pretend that they might align with you, but then you find out that they don't. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's something, it's also along the lines of what we've talked about before with Trump, like when he came into the power, at least it like, you know, brought everything to the surface, right? Like no one could deny it almost anymore. I mean, you could, but it became really apparent and really real for people. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Ryan, before we wrap up, like any parting words for 
white people that are on the journey or just starting on the journey that you would recommend for them? I think it's good. It's just keep the faith, keep the path, stay true to yourself. You know what I mean? Like it's fine. It was, it was all in vogue last summer to be pro BLM and anti-police. And we all want Kumbaya and that's great. It's continuing that path, not forgetting till the next person is killed. The next protests begin that then become riots that aren't always riots. You have to keep, keep doing so these things don't keep happening. Um, And again, we focus a lot on police, but I still think it's in all levels of every system of power in America, in the world, white world, it's government, it's policing, it's the medical fields, it's the schools, it's what's taught in schools. I mean, it's everything everywhere. Every, almost every echelon of power out there is controlled by white people. Until that's, until, again, I I would love to see more of us white allies get with the people of color as a group, not just black, not just Asian, like band together, everybody. Because you know what? There are a lot more people of color and allies of those people than there are of white supremacists. A lot more of them. They can be overthrown. Again, more like shop more, shop, when you shop, try to shop away from the Amazons of the world and try yeah. to support local businesses, help the Titas of the world. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like, again, yeah. support black. Yeah. yeah. You got to be conscious. Put the that. money. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be, what is the word? Intentional, right, Ryan? Intentional to, yeah. to seek out black businesses, brown businesses, businesses and yeah. different things. So um yeah so people if you want to be white people if you're trying to be an ally i think ryan has been a great example that's why i wanted to bring him on um he the number one thing i think he mentioned this is ryan's steps to allyship (laughs) number one thing he said was listen listen yes even if you're feeling uncomfortable if you feel like oh my god you know, even if you're feeling like starting to want to get defensive, you don't, you just listen, right? That's one of the things that he, and then do your work. Ryan, this is number two, Ryan went and did his work. He went and did his own research. He heard what people have said. He took in the qualitative data, right? Cause that's qualitative data and from the stories and so forth. And then he went and did his quantitative data which he went and did research and out there. And then three, what was it? It was stay the course because it's easy to fall off when you don't, a lot might not be going on the moment and so forth. Maybe nobody got shot down by police on, you know, unarmed shot down by police or whatnot, or whatever the case may be. Um, But stay the course, because as you know, where we're at, we're still, racism exists and it's still very prevalent. And so you got to stay the course and keep doing things intentionally. So those are Ryan's three step to allyship. And I think he's done a darn job at it. He needs to write an article actually. Ryan, we need to get you to write an article about that. Cause I think actually, no, yeah, we're going to talk offline. I think you actually should write an article. But anyways, I think that's Ryan because as an everyday white man where his life is drastically shift because he realized his privilege and what his privilege was doing to um, non-whites, it was being oppressive. So I think that this is dynamic and I think that this is phenomenal, especially from an everyday, not show, saying you're not unique, Ryan, but you know what I mean, from an everyday- Pretty vanilla. <laughs> uh, white man, so. 
Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. You're so Yeah. Thank you so much. So great. Um, I have a feeling that people are going to want to know, they're going to ask the question, how do they join No More Ignorance? Is it, is it open? Can anyone join? When is it? I know well, Leslie's not here, so. I know, Leslie's not here. Well, I know we're shifting because we've had the dialogues, dialogues, dialogues. So now we are trying to get into the action. So um, once we understand more of that, people can reach out to us and then I'll yeah. pass them along to Leslie because I think they're restructuring a little bit. Gotcha. So. Okay, good to know. All right, so speaking of that, how do they connect with us? They can connect with us, a black girl, a white girl conversations.com. So make sure that you go to that website because that website will get you to our YouTube channel and it'll get to our podcast. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to our email newsletter because we always put some other little tidbits and nuggets in there. And if you're watching this on Tiffany's, Ryan's, or Tita's Facebook page, can you please help us out and go like our conversations with Tita and Tiffany Facebook page so you won't miss a live ever. And so you won't miss any great posts and any great information that we like to share with you so that you can become the ally that we need you to be. And with that, <laughs> thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks again, Ryan. Thanks, so Ryan. Good. Thank you, everybody.